Hi, this is Stacy Eldridge with the Ransomed Heart Podcast. I'm so happy to be with you today, and today I'm going to be sharing from another portion of my new book, Free to Be Me, Becoming the Young Woman God Created You to Be. It's a book that I wrote specifically for teen girls, ages 12 to 18, to help them become the woman they're meant to be. These are tough years they're navigating. So today, I'm going to be talking about friendships. I'm going to read a little bit from a chapter I wrote on friendships, just a small portion, and then talking with two fathers, one of current teenage girls and one who is the father of girls who are no longer teenagers but who has weathered those storms. A true friend never gets in your way unless you happen to be going down, said Arnold H. Glasgow. My friend ate a slug once. She and her friends came upon it while they were exploring the fields by her home. They rolled over a stump, and there it was in all of its bulbous, slimy glory. I dare you to eat it. We need friends. Of course we do. We are image bearers of the living God, and one of the best ways our feminine hearts bear his image is in our desire for relationship. We are relational to our core, just like God. We have a deep desire and capacity for relationship. And just like God, we want to be chosen and wanted. We want to be pursued by others, not for what we can do, but for who we are. It's a good desire and one that can get us into trouble if we aren't aware of it. People get into all kinds of trouble with peer pressure caving in to do things, saying things, wearing things, even eating things that they don't really want to because they want to belong, be included, fit in, be a part of the group. Do it. I dare you. I was driving last summer with some gals, all of whom are really pretty and slender and smart and have a lot of friends. So, yeah, intimidating gals. I risked asking them the question, do you feel like you fit in? Looking at their lives from the outside, I expected their answers to be, yes, sure. None of them said that. All five, after a lengthy pause and with lowered voices, confessed, no, I don't. Okay, then. The cat's out of the bag. We share the feeling of being odd, weird. In our inner worlds, we feel alone. And being alone is the first thing that God named as not good. We share an ache in our hearts that no one can fill and a fear that if people really knew us, they would run away as fast as they could. We share that. We share the feeling that most everyone else has it together and we are barely pulling it off. We share the feeling that we don't fit in. One of the reasons to read this book and even talk about it with others is to pull back the curtain on your inner world and let you know that you are not weird. You're not alone, really, honestly, and you're not meant to live alone. You need a couple of friends to share this life with. Friends are necessary. They can be hard to come by. They can wound and hurt and betray. Certainly, they will disappoint sometimes. That comes with the territory of being human. Friends can also bless and enrich and deepen every experience of life with joy. C.S. Lewis said, The next best thing to being wise oneself is to live in a circle of those who are. A good friend loves you when you are hilarious and when you are hurting. 
A true friend loves you when you are being kind and when you are PMSing all over the place. She may not love what you are doing or the dragon you are manifesting, but she loves you. She knows who the true you is, and even in the midst of your living as an imposter to your very self, a friend calls you up and out. A friend sees who you are meant to be and beckons you to rise to the higher version of yourself. Friendship is a high and holy thing and a two-way street. Friendships are also messy. They are not for the faint of heart. I have learned a few things about friendships over the years, and where I have made mistakes, I have made colossal ones. I'd love to spare you that as much as possible anyway. What I have learned, I offer to you. Be careful with your expectations. Sometimes I am absolutely amazed at how much Jesus loves people. Some days, okay, most days, people can be pretty odd. We're all living on the island of misfit toys, and most of us are not even aware that one of our wheels is in the shape of a square. We bump into each other. We step on each other's toes, and then what is one to do? Friendships can be hard. They are also opposed by the enemy. They need to be fought for. Anything worth having and cherishing is. For many years, I thought that a cherished best friend would understand me at all times and enjoy all the same things I enjoy. She'd want to go to a movie when I wanted to go to a movie, and she would want to see the same show I wanted to see. She would think I was amazing and wise and justified in my mood swings. She'd be available to me whenever I called and only be encouraging and empathetic. She would be passionate about the same causes I'm passionate about. She would always get my jokes and want to eat at the same restaurant I wanted to eat at, and she would never be offended by a failure of mine. Oy, and yeah, I know. Embarrassing, right? But Oprah has Gail. Rachel has Monica. Anne in Green Gables has Diana. Aren't they that for each other? All right, I'm whining now. Actually, I'm being ridiculous because I have amazing friends, friends who are the best. And I am learning that each of these variously gifted friends offers something of unique value that the others don't. Their very differences from each other and from me enrich my life. No one woman could possibly be everything to me. God is meeting my need for friendship, just not through one person. Some girls are blessed with a best friend. But most aren't. Most of us have a few friends who provide something we need, and we provide something they need. Our hearts are met in the many ways by the beautiful offerings of a few. I don't think a human being is actually able to bear the burden of being someone's one and only. God alone can be our one and only. God understands us all the time. He is available every moment. People don't and aren't. They have lives and schedules and a myriad of people pulling on them, and that makes them normal and not at our beck and call. Jesus calls us friend. Oh, to know him more deeply as that. I want to know him as my king and my God and my friend who enjoys me fully, accepts me completely, and loves me unconditionally. Because that is who he is. Is the thought that Jesus would love to be your closest friend a new one to you? Spend some time. Ask him to become that. All right, that's a good sizable portion from the chapter on friendships. And John 
And Craig, thank you for joining me in the studio today. I'd love just to ask you some questions about what your experience has been of your daughters in the area of friendship. Did anything I read strike you or stir something as true? Stacy, it's so helpful to take that idea of a best friend uh-huh. and attach it to God and realize that the way that it manifests in our kids' lives is in multiple people. I think that really lifts the pressure off. You know, I have three daughters and our oldest, Anna, who's 15, she has a close circle of friends. And at different times, she's uh, in different phases of relationship with each of them. But together, they offer what I think people are looking for in a best friend. Mm -hmm. And so to see that she um, I don't know whether deliberately or not, but to see that she isn't putting all of that in one person, mm. I think is super helpful. It is really helpful because another thing at this age, these teenage years, our relationships can be tumultuous. Right. Yeah. Stacy, I have two daughters and actually a couple of granddaughters fast approaching teenagehood. And I remember we would go away as a family for a weekend. And the pecking order of friendship was vulnerable to change with my daughter being gone and mm. out of the loop and mm. just the pressure to always be there, to be the friend, to be on site and available. And she lived with, as a young teen, so much anxiety of what would unfold in this little pack or tribe of girls. A lot was at stake. Right. She could come back and uh, she's out of the circle, out of the loop. Mm -hmm. Right. Particularly girls can do that to one another. Yeah. I think more so than boys mm -hmm. or teenage guys. Mm -hmm. they, and if they have a conflict, they battle it out and it's done. But girls, ee. Yeah. I think as a parent, uh, as a father, it's comforting your thoughts on you can't get it all from one friend because – we stress over our daughters, our children, the friends they do have. And some of them aren't the kind of friends we wish they did have. Right, and right. What will the effect of this child be? And to know that actually, actually there's going to be a number of girls who influence my daughter and kind of shape and pressure and push and pull and lure her into to just her own maturity versus just one. That's kind of for me, hopeful. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean there? I know exactly what you mean. So I have a question for you. John, you're in the throes of it. And Craig, you can remember perhaps. What would you say? Now you're talking to maybe, you know, a bunch of teenage girls in this area of relationships and friendships. Any advice you would give them or to their parents? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just navigating this this decade, this terrain. Yeah. I think looking back as parents, both Lori and I would say that one of the realities of our parenting that we see now that we didn't then was just parenting our daughters out of so much fear mm. and just fear of what could happen and the influence of others and the decisions and what they were being exposed to. And as parents, we were just frightened and parented a lot, not out of primarily a building up, nurturing, and who did God make them to be, and just fostering the work of God in them, but kind of out of fear, just a whole lot of 
controlling and guarding and kind of urgency that they probably picked up in fear from us. So to parents, I'd say watch out for fear. Wow, that's It's really a primary good. motivator. Mm-hmm. Mm. Craig, I think I would say to girls my daughter's age, it's going to be okay. Oh, that's good. Right, because, you know, I think back to my teenage years and everything seemed so important. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed like the decisions that I made around what class to take or, you know, what relationship to have, that the whole world surrounded those things. And in my world at that point, it did. But as I look at my daughters and, you know, the decisions they're making about what they want to study in school and the hobbies they want to have and the friendships they want to have, I just want them to feel the freedom of it's going to be okay. Time is on their side. And some of the things that feel so important right now aren't quite as important as they seem in the moment. And that's a good thing. So you want to take the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah, there's hope in that. That is so good. That feels like that translates into almost every area. Mm. There's hope. Right. You're going to be okay. You're not on your own. Right. And for parents to hear that as well, that, you know, there's more than you involved, you as parents shaping your daughter's life. Right. There's God and there's this sense of she's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. She's going to be okay. I mean, you're not alone in this. There's a God who's very active, involved, and I think for parents to particularly kind of have words for, over each of their children's, their mm-hmm. lives and their directions. And, you know, looking back, I know God told us they're going to be okay. We just didn't hear it because our fears trumped all of that. But yeah. to know everything, they're going to be okay. You don't judge yourself as a parent until your kids are at least 35. Oh, good. That's good news. (laughs) A few more years ago. That sentence, they're going to be okay. And the truth that God is more involved than we know or realize. And if you're listening now as a father or a mother or as a teenage girl, it's all true. God is more involved than you know. He's got you. He's got the ones you love. And he will never let you go. Right. That was wonderful. I love having fathers here with me and... I hope you enjoyed listening. That's the truth. Regardless of where you're at, any stage of life, you need to know, I need to know, that we are not on our own. We are held by the king of the universe, the God who loves us. We are surrounded by love, and he is moving always on our behalf. Thank you for joining me for the Ransom Hard podcast. I've been talking today about Free to Be Me, Becoming the Young Woman God Created You to Be. Get it for yourself or a teen that you love. See you next week.